0: The Christian Andriakio case was prematurely closed by authorities, but many questions remain. Come behind the curtain and follow private investigator Sheila Waisaki as she uncovers the truth about what happened to Christian. This is Without Warning. Warning, the following episode contains elements that are graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised.
1: On the last episode, you heard about Dylan Swearingen, where he was prior to Christian's death, what the true relationships were between Dylan, Christian, and Whitley. On this episode, there is one question that will be covered What about Whitley? So today, I talk about Whitley, what she was like as a small child, her behavior to others, her hate slash kill list in middle school, her education, her relationships, Christian, and finally Key West. I will break down in details her involvement in Christian's case. Whitley isn't complicated. Her life is very simple. It is all about Whitley, period. Christian was a vehicle to get what she wanted at the time she wanted it. The problem with Christian was his usefulness had expired and he gave her the ultimate sacrifice, his life. But that wasn't good enough. She appears to want to destroy his reputation, credibility, and legacy. Whitley wants her story to be the one to remember Christian. And for her to win succeed, it means destroying Christian. And Whitley will do anything to win and succeed. Whitley grew up in a chaotic home, as reported by many people who knew the family. Whitley told Christian she was diagnosed with a mental disorder. What does that mean to Christian, and how does he handle a girlfriend with a mental disorder? He turned to the one person who would know, his mother— who is a mental health expert.
2: I just said from a mental health perspective, and, you know, she's a very interesting kind of subject, I guess you'd say, to analyze. I mean, I wanted to work at the prison because I wanted to see how the psychodynamic formulation of someone who killed someone, someone who had abused a child, someone, I mean, you know, where do you, how do you get to that point? And so I worked for nine months at the prison doing psych evals on all these inmates. And you talk to all kind of people, people who had killed infants, people, you know, and sit there and tell you they did it. Whitley is just as interesting as any of them because she, there is so many faces she has. And I mean, she does fit the DSM for a sociopath. I mean, she really does. She feels like she's above rules Rules don't apply to her. She feels like she's smarter than everyone and that she can outsmart the system. She really, you know, like Josh talked about, her not having connections with people. There's no empathy, there's no really emotional connection with anyone. I mean, she can cut off her feelings. I mean, I think even with her family, it can be cut off as she needs to. She's a very, like I said, from a psychiatric standpoint, she would be a very interesting person to analyze.
1: Like many of you listening, I wondered what a sociopathic trait would be. So I went to the internet and pulled up traits of a sociopath. Here are the traits of a sociopath. Narcissism, elevated self-appraisal, a sense of extreme entitlement, Persistent lying, superficial charm, apparent lack of remorse or empathy, inability to care about hurting others, tendency to violate the boundaries and rights of others, poor behavioral controls, expressions of irritability, annoyance, impatient, threats, aggression, and verbal abuse, Inadequate control of anger and temper. I also looked up the traits of a narcissistic person. Here is what it says on the internet. Grandiose sense of importance. Preoccupation with unlimited success. Belief that one is special and unique. Exploitive of others. Lack of empathy, arrogance, and jealousy of others. It also says these symptoms cause significant distress in a person's life. Whitley was very outgoing and tends to portray herself as a victim of her mother's poor parenting. How much of this is accurate and how much is Whitley's manipulation of the situation is unclear. Whitley has always been involved in relationships with men that are older than her. At the age of 14, she was involved with a 19-year-old who had drug problems. It was reported that they broke into a local convenience store. Whitley frequently called her biological father, quote, the sperm donor, end of quote. She referenced him often. One witness said she was adopted by her mother's second husband. It was reported that Whitley repaired her relationship with her adopted father after Christian's death due to him being financially able to offer her legal protection. Whitley tends to dominate relationships with female. She monopolizes their time and their resources. She is extremely manipulative and tends to make females feel like she is doing them a favor to be their friend. I found that many of her, quote, friends were scared of her and fearful that if they made Whitley angry with them, she would retaliate in some way against them. They reported that she would go after him socially on social media. Getting them in trouble with their parents or sleeping with their boyfriend. Whitley was reported to bully more popular and prettier girls in her class at school. Here are some of the stories.
3: In uh, middle school, all I remember is that she came to Clarkdale. She was same grade as my family member, and she had like this list of like people she didn't like.
1: Now remember, this is in middle school
3: my family member was on it. Yeah, I didn't think much about it, but, like, then she came up to my family member one day at lunch, and she was just, you know, eating lunch with her friends. She grabbed her apple that she was eating and, like, wrapped a piece of gum around it that she had been chewing and said, eat it now, be like... And everybody was like, what in the world? And then when I was little, I went to church with her, and she was always just, like, young people's hair, like, just, being mean to people, just like getting everybody in trouble. And that was in church. And the next thing I knew about it was in when she came to middle school with us.
1: This mom asked for intervention.
3: Whitley threatened my niece. Whitley had a hate list, a hate kill list. My niece was at the very, she was like number one, couldn't stand her.
1: I understand you have a story about Whitley and your daughter when they were in class together. Will you tell that story?
3: We would love to. Whitley and my daughter were in eighth grade when this occurred, and Whitley did not particularly like my daughter through different little episodes and confrontations that went on. Whitley, my daughter would ask her, you know, why don't you like me? As, you know, most little adolescents would do. And she said, well, you're just so happy all the time. You just smile all the time. My daughter was cheerleader. Anyway, there was just maybe some jealousy or something, and that's kind of what I had talked about to. But anyway, one day towards the end of the year, she was sitting in a class, and a wadded piece of paper kind of got thrown at her. And she picked up the piece of paper and opened it up, and it was drawn on there. One child was... Or girl was standing up with a knife with blood dripping off of it and then another was laying on the ground with blood pouring out of her body and the names were my daughter's name was the girl laying dead and Whitley's name was written on the girl that was doing the killing and when my daughter turned around to look and Whitley just gave that kind of little smirk you know and blinked her eye type of thing. You know, my daughter showed it to me. I went to the counselor with intentions to try to help with because that's not something that anyone in that's 14 years old thinks to do. You know, they might talk about them or cause problems with boyfriends, but they're not going to think about killing them unless there's some mental disturbance going on. So the counselor, unfortunately, is kind of one of those, it's a small school her mother actually taught at the school at that point and it was just kind of shoved in the carpet and then Whitley nor her mother returned to the school that next year. So our dealings with them stopped. My concern was there was some, was some definite sociopathic tendencies that were evident and present.
1: And your daughter hasn't seen her since, correct?
3: Um, I think she has actually just... You know, seeing her out and about just in, you know, meridians of a, a small town and you run into people, but has had not really any interaction. I mean, it's like they were maybe at the same place, but no conversations, no interactions, nothing else has really happened. we had no friends. She tormented everybody that a they would be in fear.
1: The other stories that came to my attention were that Whitley would put bugs in their daughter's hair and ear of Whitley going to a sweet 16th birthday party and intentionally, quote, ruining her daughter's party, end of quote. Mothers told me how Whitley would come over to their houses, take over their entire house, being very disrespectful and very demanding. And as one parent said, she always overstayed her welcome. This wasn't exclusive to just parents. This was also said by her peer group. When I posted I was doing an episode on Whitley, I received tips and phone calls and private messages. Some of the people went on the record and some would not. The stories were very consistent. The mothers that called me told me about Whitley bullying their daughters. More times than not, their daughter was pretty smart and popular. Talking to these people who came forward, one thing that was talked about over and over was retaliation for coming forward. Now, the rest of the world would not retaliate against these people because they understand what's going on. There seems to be a select group in Meridian that their whole focus is to tear these people down. Now, think about this. You are telling what happened to you or your daughter and you become the target. It seems to be an upside-down world because these people should not be the target. They already have been. What should happen is listen to what they're saying and potentially get somebody some help. Whitley told Christian she started using drugs around 13 or 14 years old. She admitted to Christian her drug use progressed to meth, ice, Xanax, and other drugs. Whitley initially presented herself to the Andriacchios as this sweet, meek teenager. Here is Ray describing the first time that
2: she met Whitley.
1: So let's first talk about the very first time you met Whitley and your impression of her.
2: She and Christian had just been, I think she came over to the house because he had some friends over. And it was very typical of him to have girls and guys over and also I really didn't think anything about it again. He and Avery had not been broken up for very long. So we thought that they would be getting back together like they normally did. So I really wasn't too concerned about it. And when she came over after that, I mean, she was quiet, pretty sweet, really wasn't concerned at first. And I had never heard of Whitley and Alexa, of course, pretty quickly after meeting her and finding out her name and everything, began telling me things that she knew of her, showing me things she had posted on Facebook or wherever it was, whatever social media site it was. And so, you know, then I began getting a little bit more concerned. But at that point, she was kind of playing the victim. And so we were feeling kind of sorry for her, because she was telling us how poor of a home life she had. And that her family wouldn't take care of her and really had Christian thinking that she needed, you know, someone to take care of her, someone to help her. And with our background or my background in mental health, I think that she really played on that, whether that was intentional or not, and made us feel like that we needed to kind of take her in and help her. Then when things started coming up missing at the house and she and Alexa started having a lot of conflict. She would try to get Alexa in trouble all the time. She'd come and, you know, tattle. She'd go to Christian and tell him that Alexa was doing something. And then Alexa would come to me. I mean, Christian would come to me and say, you know, Alexa was riding around the lake with this person or whatever. I mean, Alexa would be here at the house with us. She wouldn't be with anybody you know, then she would kind of try to portray it like, well, I've just been, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life and I don't want to see Alexa making those same mistakes. And I'm trying to protect her from these people that I know are not good people. But, you know, really, she was just trying to get her in trouble. And a lot of times, Alexa wasn't even doing what she said that she was doing. And then it also caused a wedge between Christian and Alexa, because she was always trying to kind of come between them. And so then as things progressed and, you know, she gave Alexa drugs and that's the first time she was told she couldn't come to the house because we found Alexa passed out on the couch downstairs. Then there were situations where there was a guy that was much older than Alexa that, you know, Christian had told the guy, don't talk to Alexa, don't text her. She's only 14. You know, I think that Whitley was behind some of that instigating the boy to continue to contact Alexa and everything, um, which kept Alexa in trouble and again caused conflict among us. So, I mean, it was just a kind of a progression. And then I remember we all went, this is just something little, but it was those little things, I guess, that kind of I picked up on as we all went out to eat together. And that was something that our family did frequently is just as I you know, everybody came and you brought a friend or you brought a girlfriend, whatever, and it was always usually a large group of us. And we went out to eat and it was the first time that Whitley had gone with us and she was just so rude to the wait staff and like sent her food back and which is very condescending to the waitress and to the point that we were Embarrassed because we just don't do that. I mean, even the food's bad. You just don't. We're not the type of people to act or whatever. And it just she was just very, like I said, just condescending and arrogant to this waitress. And I thought, you know, you're no better or whatever than she is. Why are you treating her this way? And I was just really surprised that Christian even put up with that because again, we just didn't do that. It was just little things like that that really kind of started bothering me about her and that I thought was just kind of strange that Christian put up with because he had never really condoned that kind of behavior.
1: Whitley initially lied to Christian and told him she was 18 years old. Due to the age of the people she was associating with and the fact she rarely attended school, Christian believed her. They dated for about six to eight weeks before he discovered she was 16. Whitley knew that Christian had a soft spot for saving people or helping the underdog. Christian had always been the kid who would get into a fight to protect the smaller, weaker kid. Whitley was now his project to save. And she played on that for the rest of the relationship. Anytime they would argue, she would immediately admit she was a total F-up and would say how she was a terrible person and she didn't know why he would put up with her. She would then immediately revisit all the problems in her life, saying she had a sorry mother, Christian would come to her defense and start all the positive reinforcement. You have had a hard life. You never had a good family. People have taken advantage of you. I'm not going to be that guy who leaves you. Whitley would also speak often of dark themes, such as, quote, we are living to die, end of quote, or, quote, We are just fertilizer, end of quote. She would make reference to hopelessness, but had never voiced suicidal thoughts or intent, but almost seemed to be using this as a manipulative tool to make Christian feel responsible for her. She several times talked of either thinking she was pregnant, and then later of telling Christian she wanted to get pregnant, but when she was reported on Crime Watch, her response on social media was how ludicrous this was since she had been told she would never be able to have children. After Christian's death, Whitley would send Christian's 14 year old sister messages telling her Christian hated her and talked about her and that she was the reason he killed himself. You've talked about Alexa being bullied before. Can you kind of go into detail about that?
2: Well, I just think that, you know, after, I don't know if it would be bullying before Christian's death as much as her being mean to her, I guess you'd say. But then after Christian's death and after she knew that we weren't accepting it, you know, that we weren't going to buy this whole suicide story, then she and her friends started, you know, they'd send Alexa text messages and they would, you know, you're the reason why your brother killed himself. You know, she was accosted in the middle of the lake by some of Whitley's family. And, you know, we had to go and press charges against them because same situation, they were saying, you know, your brother hated you, that you're the reason why he killed himself. And, you know, this is a 14-year-old girl.
1: Wait, did you hear that? A 14-year-old girl being bullied to the point charges were pressed. I am going out on a limb and wondering whether law enforcement did anything or followed up. I know I am not the only one outraged by this behavior.
2: Who is dealing with all your just your typical adolescent issues, and then on top of that, she's lost her brother, and then here's these people who are that's dealing with their own adolescent issues, and then you have these people that are telling her that she's the reason why or killed himself. So it went on for years. I mean, of course, it would kind of ebb and flow. If something happened, and you know there was some attention, like when Crime Watch came out, it all started all over again.
1: My guess is the bullies will be out in full force after these episodes, exposing Whitley's behavior, and people finally having a place to speak up and tell the torture and torment that they lived through.
2: You know, if she saw Whitley or some of Whitley's friends out, some um, to start again. You know, there were things where she would post stuff on Instagram, and it was we knew it was directed at. Alexa, of course you couldn't. You couldn't just say his name wasn't on it. But, you know there was the the post that she did with the cup with the tea bag hanging out, and it said something about um, you say I'm a killer or something. Push me and I'll show you. Or it, that wasn't exactly what it said, but that was the gist of it. Just things like that. You know, driving by the lake. You know, our house is right on the lake, and they would go by in the boat and laughing and put the music up real loud and come right by the house and throw up the peace sign and that kind of thing. Just kind of trying to provoke. And I don't think that it's just obviously just not Alexa. I think that Whitley is a bully. I don't think that Alexa is an isolated case. I don't think it's just because of Christian.
1: Mothers, daughters, roommates, co-workers, landlords, all would agree with Ray. They were all Bullied.
2: Now, I think she's a bully to Jordan. It's almost like she forces them into being friends with her. Their, their relationships and their dynamic is very strange. Um, and it's almost like she, they're afraid of her. So they're afraid to go against her. They'll go again around her. But if she comes back into the picture, then, you know, they quickly circle the wagons again. You know, it is a very, it's almost like when Gail interviewed her and was going to polygraph her. It was almost like she was brainwashed. She was just like, oh, Whitley's so beautiful. Whitley's so beautiful. I mean, Jordan's much prettier than Whitley ever thought about being. But, and you know, we, we told her that. We're like, I mean, Jordan, you're a beautiful girl. Why are you, you know? And she's like, oh, no, Whitley's so much more prettier. It was just a weird dynamic.
1: And that's something through investigating and talking to different people, several people said the same thing, that, They're scared of her. They didn't want to upset. They didn't want to be involved because they're scared of the retaliation. We're seeing it with you all. Very interesting. In high school, Whitley continued her behavior and targeted one girl. She sent her such threatening Facebook messages, the mother pressed charges. Interesting to note, when she would go into the principal's office, Whitley's mother was the one taking the complaints. Whitley was charged as a juvenile and fitted for an ankle bracelet. Someone finally said enough. There was no remorse or sorrow for Christian's death. She attended a party and spent the night with Burns Mayfield two days after Christian's death. Witnesses at the party have come forward to report what happened. I'm going to quote exactly what she said. Quote, I'm a fucking genius end of quote. But the question is, was she referring to getting away with having killed Christian? One witness said after they realized what she was talking about, she was asked to leave. I want to personally thank all the people that came forward. I know it took courage. I am sad that there is fear of retaliation in the community. This time the world is watching. A documentary's being made and networks are following it. So you are not alone. This story is far from being over and is gaining attention. The more you're attacked, the more people are watching.
3: That is so normal, it seems like these days, and but you and I take hotter cases too, you know. We've we've stepped in it before and we're here for the family. We're trying to get an answer for a family. And not everybody understands that. And again, we're back to them having to live this tragedy twice, over and over, more than twice. I mean, it's just over and over. They have to read every day. And you know, it was heartbreaking to me. We go to Crime Con. We had that discussion panel on the stage afterward. And you try to put your, as an empathetic person, you put yourself in the other person's shoes. And having Ray sit on that stage with her other son... And answer questions about her lost son. Just tore me up. That's that's terrible. No one should have to do that.
1: And that is where I'm going to stop this episode. This episode has been cram packed with information. There is a lot more to discuss. So much so that this is one of a series. Stay tuned next week for what about Whitley?
0: Christian's family gives their full permission for any and all details to be shared and hope that the truth will come out. If you know anything at all, call 1-888-599-0008 or email tips at sheilawaisaki.com. If you or someone you know is dealing with suicidal ideation or is actively thinking about taking their life, please call the National Suicide Hotline at one 800 2738255 if you enjoy listening to this podcast join patreon today without warning executive director executive producer and host Sheila Waisaki and announcer Tim Evans